I'm Dean. I'm an alcoholic. I just wanted to say thank you for um, asking me to speak. My friend Melody asked me to be the 10 minute speaker and uh, I love to share my experience, strength and hope. Um, because when I got here, I was so hopeless. Uh, I hated AA too. Like it wasn't something I walked in going, God, those people look awesome. And I really want what they have. It wasn't that way. And I, I didn't come in willing to do whatever it took. You know, you hear some people and they're like, I was just willing to do whatever it took, you know? And it was like, I was really not, I wanted to pick and choose. And I, um, I, I just wanted to be willing. Like that was it. Like, I just wanted some sort of willingness to live. <laughs> and um, I found that, but uh, it took a lot of learning what not to do and, um, I guess I, if you, okay, to back it up to the beginning of my life, like I was raised back East in New York and New Jersey. And my mom was like a normie and she's super spiritual. And my dad, um, he works for the mafia. And so like, I would go back and forth between the two of them and it was just like a crazy life, you know? And, um, and the only thing I can remember throughout my whole life is like, no matter what I did or where I was, like, I was like, um, in a constant state of discontent and loneliness. And so whether I was like partying in high school, I always used to walk this fine line. So I said, but I could always reel back my behavior and make it to work and, and pull it together and not do what, you know, those guys were doing, which was worse. And so I moved out to California um, after just partying my ass off in New York and I got married and now my alcoholism showed up as like, I need, need, need a house, a car, a nanny, kids, the best mom, always everything's perfect. And inside I'm like dying. And it was a perfect storm. I drank with people who drank alcoholically. And so it didn't seem abnormal. You know, everybody came to my house, drank, kids running around, um, you know, almost drowning in my pool sometimes, like just crazy stuff, but it seemed normal because everybody I hung out with like functioned, you know, and then <clears throat> until I didn't, you know, until one day I walked out that door and didn't come back to my kids. And I was the mom that uh, wasn't there anymore, you know, and it was like almost overnight, I was resentful at my husband, my kids would cry and I would steal my own car. And um, like, I didn't, <laughs> It's just the craziest shit. It's my car. I'm stealing it. But like that is, it's like the light <laughs> part of the like, day. Um, and, and I didn't care. Like if it, it was, it's just wild. Like it's baffling when I think about it because that isn't who I am as a sober woman. You know, I'm not the kind of mom who doesn't show up. I'm the kind of mom who's like all in. But that's my problem. With anything in life, I'm all in. So if I'm all in destruction mode, like that was exactly where I was at. So, so I had three young kids and my ex-husband and I just kind of walked out the door and, and didn't really look back unless it was enough to like keep a hold of like making myself feel like I'm a parent enough and present enough. And I knew I loved them, but I didn't know how to get back to them. And I would spend the next five years in and out of treatment. I had, um, a fourth son with somebody that I ran around with and he was taken from me from CPS. And I remember thinking like, I can't get sober for this child. You know, as a matter of fact, now I have to get more loaded because I can't believe somebody took my kid from me. 
and to like keep numbing that and numbing that and numbing that. And um, one day it didn't numb anymore, you know, and I'd gone into treatment 23 times and it didn't work. And I couldn't get rid of that obsession of the mind. And I missed the spiritual message in AA. I like would get sponsors and go to meetings and carry around my big book and show up wasted. You know what I mean? Like, and not understand why I was so blocked from God, but like, I couldn't stop using, like, it was a serious obsession of the mind and allergy to the body. And, um, and I couldn't get rid of it. And so by the 23rd one, like I walk into this treatment, actually one of my nurses is here that was at that treatment. Thank God for her. Um, seriously, because I remember laying in a bed being like, I don't even know what to do with my life. Like what, what am I supposed to do after that one hour meeting? Now I got 23 more hours of the day and I don't know what to do with myself. And so like, I found myself going to four meetings a day sometimes in the beginning because I didn't want to die. And, um, if I went back out, I did. And I remember being, um, like, what is it that I didn't do the other 23 times? And it was that I didn't pray. I didn't, I didn't reach out to a power greater than myself. I heard it. I didn't do it. I did not make that step and I didn't reach out. And so this time, like I had walked in and I didn't want to get loaded and I didn't want to be sober and I didn't want to live and I didn't want to die. You know, I was just stuck with myself and I was like, this is a really shitty spot to be in. Um, and so like, I prayed like, please don't, you know, please something, anything, you know, give me willingness. And at the time that I prayed for the willingness, it was to kill myself or to live. I didn't care which way I went. And it turns out like all of a sudden this power greater than myself place these people in my life that were going to bring me up. And one being like, Corey, it's craziness this year. Um, Cause I was just telling stories about that treatment and um, thinking about how crazy I was when I got in, I didn't even, I hadn't remembered. So I'd gone to jail plenty of times. I had like 11 charges when I got sober, I thought I was going to go to prison, all these things. And um, something I just kept like praying to this God. And I would say, give me strength. Right. So now I'm like, a little willing. So give me strength. And I got an amazing sponsor who was super spiritual, but I didn't tell her anything, you know, like I was just like, yeah, I'm still sober. And to me, that was amazing. But like, I was feeding her like these lines of bullshit, you know, like I'm over here because my sober living isn't like, you know, they won't run the air conditioning. So I got to go stay over here and then tell my sober, li like just like nutty shit that like you do as an alcoholic. And I was afraid I was going to die because those little lies that I was lying to myself we're going to take me out. So I found a lady who kicked me out of Ashland, which is a rehab, um, and knew my bullshit. And I said, please sponsor me. I don't want to die. And she did. And she was hard on me and there was no sugar coat and anything. And I walked through the steps reluctantly. I failed my first four step. I haven't done anything perfectly, but pray, <laughs> you know, I was like, what? I, can't. I was like, so excited to be done with it twice. She made me redo it. And, um, <laughs> and, and, and my friends are like, you put the F in four stuff. <laughs> I was like, you know, because in that third column, when you write the resentment, I was like, oh, don't worry about it. I'm over it. Like my part, I'm over it. It's not even a thing anymore. And she's like, what? And like, now I get it, you know, that I did it. And, um, and I just did what I was told and I took enough direction, you know, like I didn't follow solid direction. And my famous move is to like do something stupid and then call my sponsor, you know, like, oh, by the way, I, I thought you might not like this, but I just went ahead and 
turns out it was probably exact turned out exactly how you would give me advice not to do it but I just had to learn that way and that's unfortunately the kind of alcoholic I am I have to but I think I learned from my sponsees you know because I get to share all these things and so I fought really hard my sobriety hasn't been easy um, but I prayed my asterisk and, you know, getting my son out of CPS was like the biggest thing because it was like, even the social workers were telling me, I can't even, I've never even seen anything like this. And I remember going home day after court date, after court date, crying my eyes out and saying like, God, I don't see you, but I trust you because somehow I'm sober. Right. So that's the hardest thing in the life. I thought that was impossible. So beyond that, I know anything's possible. And I would say, I trust you. And you know what, the fact of the matter is if the only reason I had to walk through those things is so that I could walk all my sponsees through getting their kids back, which like I'm the sponsor with all the sponsee that have babies in court systems. Like it just, God puts it like that, you know, and I get to go, I understand, you know, and mine was like 20 times worse. And I know you could get through this and this is how I did it. And that's just how this program works. And my, you know, my son, my oldest son got my my sobriety date tattooed on him for my three years. And like, my kids aren't ashamed anymore. You know, they know that I'm a strong, like fighting person. And like, I'll always have my hand extended to somebody else in this program that needs it because I for so long didn't think that I would be the one that would get this program at all. And I'm just like, so grateful for everybody in here and all the people that my higher power puts in my path to bring me up even if it's like a newcomer, like you, it does help you, you know, like helping other people helps me. And I'm just, I appreciate this program. I didn't think I'd ever say that, but I do, <laughs> but I do. And I love it. And um, I just thank you guys for listening and taking the time and having me speak here tonight. Thank you.